Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by my man, Colby Powell. Colby, how are we doing today? Uh, doing great. Always a little bit down the day after a Bedlam loss, but a little non-conference exhibition game, so not not too beat up about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're still early in baseball season, but you, you always want to dominate Bedlam, and, and Josh Holiday has certainly done that, so that was a Somewhat disappointing result, but uh, we got a lot of football to talk to or talk about uh, some other things with funding, Mike Gundy's contract, Boone Pickens Stadium. We got a lot to get to today. So let's hear from Chris's University Spirit. If you want to stop Cowboy Shop, be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Well, Cole, before we get into all that, I really enjoyed your latest episode of the 73rd Hole Podcast. People need to check that out. You guys are also on the Sports Animal on Sunday mornings. And uh, you had an interesting discussion with, about the Will Smith slap heard around the world to, to Chris Rock. You asked what golfer would you want to slap like Will Smith if you could just do it one time and get away with it with no ramifications. Who did you end up picking? And uh, I want to ask you what sooner, uh, since we're talking Bedlam, what sooner would you have liked to done to that done to over the years? That's a great question. Uh, now, first off, the caveat that we gave on the podcast and I asked to clarify was, are they allowed to engage back or do they just have to keep hosting the Oscars? And in this hypothetical, they just have to keep hosting the Oscars. So there will be no retaliation, which means I don't have to stay in my weight class. So I was able to go uh, Patrick Reed on the golfer, which I think is, is kind of the layup. That's where you would go to, right? Patrick Reed. It's to be not only is he a cheater, he robbed Ricky Fowler of a green jacket. I still don't know how his ball, it was sitting on like the bank on Ray's Creek on 13, it somehow stayed there. No ball ever stays there. And I guess the golf gods were asleep that day. So I, yeah. I definitely want to give him a smack. Yeah, they were taking a late Sunday afternoon nap whenever that happened for Patrick Reed. So that's, I think, the layup on the golf side. As far as the former Sooner, that is a really good question because I'm trying to think back to my childhood. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything – Man, I don't know. Do you have one off the top of your head while I think a little bit? Because I, I feel like there's some that I'm missing here. Well, the list is long and plentiful. I'm sure a lot of our listeners would say Baker Mayfield. Not only was he a great player, he he talked his trash. Uh, you know, he, he never hesitated to call OSU his little brother. He did the whole mustache thing, saying there's new sheriff in town. I I liked all that because it was just it was good stuff. And hey, he backed it up and, and won every Bedlam game he played in. But I wouldn't go Baker. I tend to lean kind of like we had a discussion about most hated Sooners over the years. I, I lean towards basketball and it's typically those guys that didn't play a whole lot, but had a whole lot to say. Like I, I, I always hated that in sports school. We growing up, it, it was always the guy that was like on the end of the bench that talked the most trash. And you just, as you're on the field, you look over and go, Hey dude, you're not even on the field. Shut up. So I, I lean more towards like the, uh, the Joseph Zendres of the world. Um, I should probably go to someone bigger than that, though. Yeah, I don't know that that one doesn't really ring a bell for me. I, I'm trying. I was trying to think further back and think if I was missing anything, but 
I, I think I'm just going to make the layup, Carson. I think it's Baker. I mean, Baker put the OSU fan base through some serious pain for three years at the University of Oklahoma. He talked it. He walked it. Uh, the final battle, the what, 62-52 or 69-59, whatever it was in Stillwater, was a heartbreaker. He put the OSU fan base through a lot, Carson. So uh, if I had to Will Smith one sooner of all time, it would probably be Baker. I think one just popped into my head. And... <laughs> It kind of goes along with what I was saying a little bit, and it, it is a former OU quarterback. I'm going Rhett Bomar. Ooh. This guy, this guy was the number one quarterback. He gets booted off the team. He comes to Stillwater for Sam Houston State, gets his butt kicked, and on the field, my man Matt Reese, who was working at Channel Four at the time, gets an on-field interview with him, and he basically calls OSU the little brother, and that all these people are idiots, and just goes off. When he doesn't even play at OU, he's disgraced former Sooner and still had trash to talk while getting his butt kicked. So I'll go with Rhett Bomar off the top of my head, but I'm sure people are just screaming at our at their podcast player right now to not say, you know, Eduardo Nahra, people like that, but I'll go with Rhett Bomar. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think uh, going with two Sooner quarterbacks is a good way to go because – Carson, Sooner quarterbacks have have dealt as much pain to you and I and to the Oklahoma State fan base as probably any position in any sport. Like Bell would be up there, the Bedlam superhero uh, who just uh, stole two Bedlam games almost by himself. He, he would be up there too. So oh, that was an interesting discussion. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Mike Gundy gets a big raise, now the highest paid coach in the Big 12. I thought that was well-deserved, Colby. What was your take on on Mike Gundy's big race. Yeah, I, I had a few. Number one, I think that uh, it is deserved. He capitalized on what was obviously a great season, a historic season for the school. It, it's tough with a place like Oklahoma State because at other schools, you know, Michigan or Texas A&M with Jimbo or something, you know, they're paying these coaches these crazy high salaries. But, I mean, the money pit is just – it's never ending. It's just a well that keeps going and going and going. And that's not the case in Stillwater. So, in Stillwater, I think it's natural to think, okay, if football coach gets seven and a half – what does that mean for other sports? What does that mean for the rest of the athletic department? But that's very macro looking at it just in, in, you know, surface level, Mike Gundy deserves to be one of the highest paid coaches in the country because Mike Gundy has been one of the highest paid coaches in the country and has really elevated Oklahoma state uh, to a level that they never were previously. And, you know, other sports don't like it. Fans of other sports don't like it. I get that. Football is the moneymaker. We all know football is the moneymaker. Uh, and Mike Gundy deserves the raise that he got. So uh, I, I think it's a good thing for him to be the highest paid coach in the conference because he is the best and most accomplished coach in the conference. He gets a $1 million annual raise. He'll receive a $1 million retention bonus at the, each of the next five years. So he's over the $7 million mark. And that's it's thoroughly deserved. We, we know about his track record. We know about his career wins-loss record, bowl success, all of those things. What isn't talked about enough is the tremendous discount Oklahoma State has gotten from Mike Gundy really since 2011. 2011 was the landmark year in which he went through a hellacious contract negotiations with Mike Holder. They did get that done. He has flirted with other jobs. And I think all of that was a play that's kind of the game you have to play to get raises. Now, do I, did I like him flirting with Baylor in Tennessee? Of course not. But that's why you hire an agent to 
get leverage. And that's, I think that's all he was trying to do was get his fair market value. And I think he thoroughly deserves it. And so while OSU's gotten a huge discount over the years, it's time to pay up. And if, if you want to be a big boy football program, I think this is a clear case of that. And I think it's also interesting from the perspective, Colby, you know, Oklahoma State has always been viewed as a quote unquote stepping stone job. That's why uh, some, a lot of great coaches have left. It's why I like hiring alums because they understand Stillwater and they're more likely to stay. We've seen tremendous success with that as well. But this is really encouraging to me, Colby, for the future when Mike Gundy decides to retire. This is money, and you're not going to pay the next head coach $7 million. I understand that. But what it shows is what you're willing to pay to be to win at football. And I think this salary alone, before we get to the stadium upgrades and everything else, I think Oklahoma State has moved on from the notion that it's a stepping stone job. If you're getting paid big-time money at Oklahoma State, it's going to take a Georgia, an Alabama, you know, the big boys of the sport to entice you to leave. So I think this is a tremendous sign for Oklahoma State's future. Yeah, I think so too. Like you said, it really elevates Oklahoma State to a different position nationally where it's not a stepping stone. Seven and a half million dollars is not a stepping stone. And I mean, even if the next guy comes in and starts at three or four, I mean, that's still pretty big for Oklahoma State, and that still might not happen for 10 years. Mike Gundy's not that old, especially uh, relative to some coaches that we've seen in college football take coaching well into their 70s. So I don't know that Mike Gundy wants to do that. I don't know how long he'll be around. But, I mean, from where we were at two years ago with Mike Gundy to where we're at today, he has done everything right. I mean, since things went downhill and you've got six-win season, you've got Chuba, you know, coming out with, with the shirt, you've got seemingly a, a, a near revolt going on. And to get from there to where we are today, do you know how many right buttons that you have to press to get from arguably the, the lowest spot of your tenure as a coach to the highest spot of your tenure as a coach in two seasons? Every button has to be pressed correctly. And, and this just continues a trend that we've seen from Oklahoma State where I, I think that as conference realignment takes place and as college football kind of moves into the next era, I think Oklahoma State's trying to position themselves to be successful and to be the leaders in the Big 12. You go out and you get Derek Mason. You take a guy from the SEC, bring him in to be your DC. And now your head coach is making more than $7 million. I really think that this is a, a targeted effort by the administration at Oklahoma State to set the football program up to be the leader of the new Big 12 when that time comes, and hopefully, assuming that the playoff does expand at one point, be a, a serious contender to get into that playoff and win a game or two in it year in and year out. And it's also self-preservation. We all know the football program funds every sport, the entire athletic department on campus. So the way to make more money is by investing, takes money to make money. And so I think it's also an interesting topic to bring up with you, Colby, that, you know, there's uh, pistols firing. Uh, Kyle Boone wrote an article about the $40 million renovation to Boone Pickens Stadium that's coming. Uh, that's a lot of money for a stadium that was built basically in 2009, redone. Uh, it's probably overdue. They're going to do a lot of improvements. And that's certainly great. And that's certainly needed and certainly helps with recruiting. I am curious about the trickle-down effect. And Kyle, Kyle Boone, uh, or sorry, Marshall Scott wrote about the trickle-down effect to other sports. And I think a lot of the coaches have the right perspective. Kenny Gajewski says, I'm aware football needs improvement. We've we got to have it. I'm very aware they have to be good for us to be good. It's huge. We need them. We need them to do just what they did over and over again. It's a huge deal. They all understand that. 
I'm just curious your take on how this affects other programs, because I, I look at wrestling, Colby, and John Smith's had a lot to say since the season ended. He's got a lot to evaluate with his own program. But if I'm John Smith and I see – take football out of it. When I see a gigantic brand-new tennis facility, when I see a brand-new soccer stadium, when I see all these improvements in other sports, baseball stadium, and OSU wrestling has literally gotten next to nothing for the last 20 years. They still have that old wrestling room, and I know there's been a lot of talks about it. But if I'm John Smith, I know wrestling is not a revenue generator, but neither of those other sports. I'm a little frustrated if I'm him. I think it's long overdue that wrestling gets the, the upgrades they need, because as you've seen, the results haven't been there. Now, some of that's due to injuries. Some of that's due to recruiting which they've tried to revamp in the last couple of years, which I talked with, with Seth Duckworth. But I don't know how you feel about it, Colby, but if I'm an OSU wrestling fan, I'm beyond a little frustrated with the lack of uh, investment in the program. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's reasonable and that that's understandable. I also think that we have to acknowledge, like, the new tennis center. The Greenwoods give all that money. They gave all that money for tennis. Wrestling needs that big donor that wants to give money to wrestling. I mean, O'Bright Stadium. O'Brate gave all that money. The O'Brates gave all that money for the baseball stadium. Wrestling needs its one big donor to come in and say, you know what? Wrestling needs an overhaul. Let's turn it in to the just top-notch facility in the country. And yes, I totally understand the frustration. And, and if I was a diehard OSU wrestling fan, I mean, I like OSU wrestling, but you know what I mean? Like I follow it, but there are people who are diehard OSU wrestling fans who are frustrated with what's taking place. I understand that, but... You, you know, th this money to build the tennis center, this money to build uh, O'Bright Stadium, that money's not coming from tuitions and fees. That money's coming from donors. Wrestling needs a, a big-time donor to foot the bill to get them back where they need to be nationally in terms of facilities. No, that's a great point. It's one I hadn't really taken into account because you're right. The, the Sherman Smith, <laughs> the indoor facility for football, also from a benefactor. The soccer stadium was from benefactor Neil Patterson and all the other facilities you mentioned. You're right, it does take, for projects of that magnitude, big-time donors. That's just, it's, it's that simple. You're right, football tickets and everything else isn't paying for all that. So you're right, OSU Wrestling does need one of those, but they don't really need a new stadium. They don't really need anything massive like that. They need a new locker room and wrestling room. And I think you're right. that's something that, that may, may not have to come from a benefactor. I'm not sure the, the, the financials on that, but either way, it, it really seems as if Oklahoma State has lifted themselves out of the COVID, you know, just quagmire of finances and are moving in a, in a great positive direction. And I, I think Casey Shrum and Dr. Casey Shrum and, and Chad Weiberg have been talking a lot about taking this, this uh, athletic department in a, in a bigger, better direction. But we've seen action, and that's what I love to see. And I, I love that I, I, I can't say enough good things about Dr. Casey Shrum and Chad Weiberg with what they're doing with the, the athletic department. Yeah, they've been awesome. I mean, you talk about a home run to start your tenure for both of them, really. I, I think that if you took the uh, the approval ratings for both of them right now on campus and around Oklahoma State fans throughout the state, I think their approval ratings would be very, very high. So hopefully they can just keep right on trucking because the athletic department right now seems like it's in as good and as stable of a place as it's been in a long time. Yeah, and they're making – I thought this was interesting, too. They're making Boone Pigeon Stadium – they're reducing capacity from 60,000 to 55,500. 55, 
So they're basically creating more space. So you're not just crammed in there like sardines. I've, I, I rarely have gone to a game as a fan, but I, I did notice how, how tight the seating can be, uh, particularly on the bleacher side of things. And so that's interesting. They, they reduce the capacity, but also make it more comfortable. Cause I, I think 55 is about perfect. Rarely do they get 60. Now Bedlam was packed, but I've, I'm all for making it more comfortable for fans. Is that something you've noticed as a, as a fan? Cause you go to a lot more games than I do. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's a good move by Oklahoma State. You know, throwing a number for attendance isn't out there. You want it to be full, right? And, and you give people more room. You make it a more comfortable, more enjoyable game day experience, and you have it look full. Also, Carson, like you said, they, they pack it out for Bedlam. They pack it out for OSU Texas. Bedlam's going away. OSU Texas is going away. You're going to have to fill that stadium for OSU Houston and OSU Cincinnati and OSU UCF, and I think you will, but I, I think this is a good move by Oklahoma State you, you don't need all those seats you don't need to add on anymore to Boone Pickens Stadium you don't need another level you don't need more suites it's in a good space make it a more enjoyable more comfortable game day experience for everybody uh, and make sure you can fill your stadium whenever those marquee games go away yep that'll be interesting to watch in the future but uh, great news for Mike Gundy great news for the football program and, and great news for, for Oklahoma State overall that's that's big time and speaking of good news for Oklahoma State Colby I of all the position groups I was concerned about most going into next year, for me, it was offensive line. You can make an argument for, for linebacker having to replace all those guys, but Oklahoma State clearly made that a priority. They've now gotten three, not one, not two, but three transfer portal offensive linemen. They got a guy from USC, Casey Collier, Vanderbilt's Jason Brooks, and uh, Prince Pine and Sam Houston State. That's right. That's I didn't have him pulled up in front of me. Prince Pines, great name, transfer from Sam Houston. Uh, he had he had a lot of good uh, a lot of good offers coming out too. He started his career at Baylor, then went to Sam Houston, and he had offers from Arkansas Tech, TCU, Ole Miss, Missouri, and others. So uh, big time big time revamping Colby because they do they do lose uh, Josh Sills, they do lose Danny Godlevsky to graduation. Uh, four scholarship linemen have entered the portal, making them pretty thin. So this is uh, much needed, and hey, we, we talk about Mike Gundy's recruiting all the time. He's got the transfer portal down. I mean, you think about Tay Martin and uh, and Jalen Warren. Now the offensive line, he he's he's the portal master. He's the portal king. Yeah, Oklahoma State's had some success in the portal, and I, I really don't think we can overstate the importance of getting all of these guys in to just create depth on the offensive line. Uh, some great names, by the way, like you mentioned, Prince Pines, Jason Brooks, his, his nickname's Queso, Jason Queso Brooks. Then we got Casey Collier, a little more alliteration to go along with Prince Pines. So kind of the all-name transfer team with these offensive linemen coming in. But that's a position group that we know Oklahoma State has been thin at for what feels like 10 years now. And you, you just need depth at those positions. So you get guys with experience coming in from the transfer portal. Do they start? Do they not? I don't know. I'm not at practice. We'll let Coach Dickey and Coach Gundy worry about that and figure it out. But creating depth on that offensive line with guys who have been at the collegiate level, uh, a couple of whom have been at the Division One Power Five level, I think that's big time for Oklahoma State. And once we get into the season, I think we'll realize how important that weekend in March was uh, whenever Oklahoma State was able to lock up three more guys on the offensive line. Yep. Uh, Caleb Etienne, the, the, the mountain, as I was calling him, he slimmed down from 350 to 325, and apparently he's getting some rave reviews. And someone's uh, Ian Boyd from Inside Texas is starting to compare him to Tevin Jenkins. If he can play anything remotely close to Tevin Jenkins, OSU's O line will be will be much improved uh, next season as well. 
what else am I missing here, Colby? We went over our rundown. I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but yeah, I mean, we we touched on to yeah, we touched on baseball at the beginning of the show. Last night was tough. You take a six to five lead into the ninth inning, and look, I played baseball growing up. Anybody who ever who's ever played baseball knows sometimes a good pitcher has a bad night. And that's what happened last night. A good pitcher had a bad night. I believe it was three walks and a hits batsman in the ninth inning, uh, including a, a walk-off walk. It was Trevor Martin on the bump. He's had a great season for Oklahoma State, seven saves. Just didn't get it done last night. That's part of it. Uh, it stings that it was to OU. It breaks an 11-game winning streak for Oklahoma State. But like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, it's a non-conference game between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. The, the Bedlam series later in the season will be the conference games. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a tough loss, but that's just baseball. Sometimes good pitchers have bad nights, and that happened last night in Tulsa. Yeah, Josh Holiday's still 28-10 and 10 against Oklahoma. So... And it's baseball, right? It's not football. I mean, it's one game, one game baseball. I'll wait till the, the three game series to make any grand conclusions on Bedlam this year, but you always awesome. want to. Yeah. And we kind of just needed to throw them a bone, Carson. It'd been a while since they got one. We needed to just throw them a bone. There you go. That's the Colby I know and love. That's the, <laughs> the sooner jabber that I know. <laughs> Uh, let's get to uh, bullets and BB, shall we? Colby, you, uh, you told me to give you a reminder on your BB for something cooking related. Let's let's start with our uh, our BBs, shall we? All right, let's start with our BBs. So my wife and I, we've been using these HelloFresh meals. They send you all the ingredients and the instructions, they cook them up. So I've been getting pretty good at cooking. I'm getting faster with all my methods and stuff. So I'm cooking dinner on what was uh, Monday evening. My wife's on her way home from work, cooking up some chicken and pepper sandos and uh, get all my ingredients chopped up, all this stuff. And I get to the part of the recipe where I need the chicken. Right. I'm looking around. I'm like, where is my chicken? So here's what we do, Carson. We've got three big dogs. You've been over here and our, our smallest dog uh, is about 70 pounds. And if you leave meat out, it is gone. I mean, it, you can put it in the sink. It doesn't matter. He's he's big enough. He can get up. He can get in the sink and get meat out. He's done it multiple times. So now anytime we thaw meat out, we put it in a bowl and we just put it in the oven, but we don't turn the oven on because it, we just put it in there to thaw so that the dog can't get to it. Well, Carson, this recipe called for me to preheat the oven to 450 degrees. So I did just that. I preheated the oven to 450 degrees. I'm chopping up all my ingredients. I'm getting everything ready. I get to the part of the meal where I need the chicken, and I realize that the chicken in its original packaging is in the oven on 450 degrees. It melted the packaging. It was a complete disaster. Uh, so we went and got some fast food on Monday night. It was a disaster of epic proportions from my, from my point of view. You know, I'm pretty forgetful, so I, I can't judge. I would definitely do something like that. There's no doubt. Well, but the worst part is my wife walked in while I was kind of chopping up the ingredients, and she was like, what's that smell? And I was like, oh, the oven's on. It's fine. I, I just thought it was normal oven smell. No, it was because there was chicken in there burning against its packaging. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Uh, my BB, I can go a lot of directions here. I can go a lot of directions here. Um, it's going to be my bullet and my BB. I'm going to go with my beloved Big Ten. And I'm going to take, we all know what happened in the NCAA tournament, right? They have no teams remaining. They haven't won a national title since 2000. I've been beating this drum for years. My BB is going to go to the national media. Okay, so they still treat the Big 12 like it's the freaking Mountain West. It's just kind of over there. 
they think they're they think they're big time, but they're not at the big boy table. And I'm talking about football and even to some extent basketball. And they do this despite results. Two years in a row now, the Big 12 has kicked the crap out of teams in, in bowl games. They've had a great bowl record the last two, three years. The NCAA tournament, they had a chance to become what? The first, the first conference, I think, ever. There was some crazy stat about the first time a, a team's made the title. Oh, that's what it was. The first time a conference has made the title game like four years in a row. They had a chance to do that this year. First time in the history of basketball. And my, my BB is to the national media. When will, when will actual results and not perspective or, you know, narrative, when will that change? When will that actually come into play? Because we saw what the Big 12 did in football. It's going to get better with the teams they add. In fact, when they, once they get all the teams in that are coming in, it's, it's going to be an unbelievably good conference behind, in my opinion, just the SEC. Because, again, the Big Ten, you, you got Ohio State, that's great. you got a bunch of rum-dums besides them. So it's just it's frustrating when actual results don't change narratives. And I, and I, I know the Big 12 has had a PR problem for a long time. Part of that's on Bob Bowlesby. Part of that's on the league as a whole. Part of that's on Mike Gundy not saying the things he should have been saying for the last five years about what he's done. He's been saying it since the Notre Dame game, and I love it, and I praised him for that. It's been a big PR issue for me because the results are there, and yet year in, year out, people just go, oh, my God, the Big Ten, it's so good. Look at all these big fan bases they got. And I go back to when they scored zero points in back-to-back college football playoff appearances. Zero points. We can make fun of OU getting beat in the playoff all we want, but they put some points on the board. They didn't get absolutely embarrassed. If the Big 12 had put two teams in the college football playoff in back-to-back years and scored zero points, they wouldn't even be up for discussion moving forward. They wouldn't even be considered for the playoff. So my BBs to all those people that look at the Big 10 and think, oh, it's great, when the results aren't there to show it. Uh, that's a great one, Carson. Uh, by the way, Pistols Firing tweeted out the meme the other day of Will Smith and Chris Rock and said, Carson, the Big Ten doing literally anything was over Chris Rock's head. That was a really good one. Uh, yeah, That's my bullet. That's my bullet. I'll go ahead and do it. That's my bullet. Uh, Marshall go. Scott, uh, great tweet. I think I believe it was Brian Metcalf that sent him the, the actual just picture you can meme of Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. It's like, I need... I need Carson in the Big Ten on this, and, and Marshall Scott delivered. And easily my favorite tweet of 2022, maybe my favorite tweet of the last five, ten years. I don't want to go too crazy with it, but <laughs> that's exactly how I feel anytime someone tells me the Big Ten's good. It was a great tweet, and it was so well put uh, with the captions there. So go check that out. Pistols firing on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the Big Ten's easy to poke fun at. They're a disaster when it comes to basketball. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just lockstep with everything that you talk about. They always get all their teams in, and then they always get embarrassed. Still no natty since 2000, Michigan State. And there won't be one this year because they're not competing for one. Uh, Carson, my bullet is going to one Rena Tadamatsu of Oklahoma State, Cowgirls Golf. She is competing this week in the Augusta National Women's 
Amateur, which started today. They'll play two rounds at Champions Retreat Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia, today and tomorrow. Then they'll have a cut. Uh, top 30 players get to play the final round at Augusta National on Saturday, which will be televised. But even if you miss the cut, you still get to play a round at Augusta National on Friday. Rena Tadamatsu, interestingly, got in because Isabella Fierro, former Oklahoma State cowgirl, withdrew from the ANWA because she got an amateur's exemption into this week's Chevron Championship which is the first major of the year being played on the LPGA Tour out in California this week. So Fierro goes to play in the Chevron Championship. Tadamasu gets into the Augusta National Women's Amateur, wishing her the best of luck. Hopefully we get to see her on TV Saturday. I saw her rocking the uh, the green hat with the Swingin' Pete logo on it. I remember when oh, Victor yeah. Hovland made it to Augusta, they had a lot of green uh, OSU golf-related apparel. So she's rocking the green uh, Swingin' Pete hat. It's going to be cool to see that logo at the ANWA, which always gets me fired up for uh, obviously the, the Masters tournament coming up in just a few weeks. Yep, that'll be on uh, Saturday. By the way, I should probably give a bullet to my wife as well, who has carried our child around for the last 38 and a half weeks, and she will be here Saturday. So uh, what a great sports day. Oh my goodness. My, what a great sports day for my daughter to be born. We got the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and then we've got Carolina Duke that night in the Final Four. How great is that? That's big time, man. I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. Hope everything goes, goes well. I know... Uh, you're going to be plopped in front of the couch with uh, the newborn watching uh, the Masters. Who are you? Uh, who are you leaning towards this year? I know. I got to ask you about Tiger coming back. I mean, they were tracking his plane. Uh, I'm hearing he's going to play from people I talk to in the golf world. Uh, what's your uh, thoughts on Tiger coming back? And who are you looking at to uh, pick the win? Yeah, obviously, I'm excited about Tiger being there yesterday. I think he's going to play. No one really knows. Uh, but if LaCava's down there and if he's making the trip to Augusta, I have to think that he's going to play, which would be remarkable considering where he was at just a few weeks ago. He was limping around at his Hall of Fame ceremony uh, the, the Wednesday before the players, which, yeah, I think was three weeks ago today. So, yeah, it would be remarkable if he plays. Uh, if he plays, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't win because he's Tiger Woods. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't think Tiger's going to win. I don't think you can sit on the couch for 14 months uh, with a mangled leg and then come out and win the Masters. So um, I'm probably Carson, and this is risky because it, it can go a lot of ways, and he's really struggled to try to complete the career Grand Slam. Rory McIlroy is who I've got my eye on next week. Uh, barring anything going poorly this week at the Valero, I think Rory finally gets it done and notches himself the career Grand Slam is that a lot of sharp people I follow are on Rory for the masters. Why he he's had very little success. I mean, he hasn't won it. He's had success there obviously, but what about his play this year makes you think you'll get it done this year? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been there a lot in contention and then on Sunday things just go awry and he doesn't get it done. He's hit the ball pretty well this year. I like that. He's mixing up what he's done in the past. I like that. He's going to play Valero this week and getting some tournament reps in the week before. Hopefully that'll help him take his mind off of it a little bit. Uh, also, he's not that focused on the Valero. He's clearly just using it as a tune-up for Augusta because he was in Augusta Monday, he was in Augusta yesterday, and he's teeing it up at the Valero in San Antonio tomorrow. He's focused on Augusta. Also, Kyle Porter uh, tweeted this stat out the other day. Eight of the last 10 Masters winners were at 1.7 strokes gained T to green or better in the three months leading into the Masters. Uh, only eight players this year qualify on that list. Rory is one of them. He's hitting the ball well, uh, just needs some putts to fall, and I just think it's his time. I, I think he's long overdue to win at Augusta, and I think it happens this year. Well, he's finished in the top ten six out of seven years. That's pretty good. But if I yeah. recall, he always makes a late charge on Sunday to backdoor top ten. Like he, was, he hasn't really been in it 
in contention to win it since he led and, and fired off that that 80 or whatever it was when he hooked it into the the, the cabins. But <laughs> he is Roy McElroy, and I don't I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I I've had my sights set on this guy for a while this year. He's really impressed me. I'm going with Justin Thomas. I mean, it's easy to forget. And he doesn't have a great track record there, but it's improved every single year. But people forget before that rain delay, when when uh, they came back from the rain delay, we all remember Hideki Matsuyama just got caught fire because the course softened up so well. He made a triple bogey on 13 after the rain delay. And he was he looked he was going to be the guy to win. He was really in it. He was right there. And this one hole kind of derailed his chances. So you look at his results and you're like, ah, he, he hasn't really done all that well there. And he hasn't really been in contention. but I contend with he plays really well in firm and fast courses like the Augusta was playing that my last year. I I kind of think it's his time. He's got the experience now. He's been just hitting the absolute crap out of the ball. Uh, you don't have to be a great putter to win at Augusta. Adam Scott's got a green jacket, so I'm I'm going with I'm going with JT. Yeah, by the way, my one-and-done pool, we picked two players for all the majors. Uh, and next week, my two picks in my one-and-done pool will be Rory McIlroy or Justin Thomas because I think if Rory doesn't win it, JT's probably the guy to do it. So I obviously like that pick a lot. Yep, so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I, I cannot wait for the Masters. It's, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year, obviously. And uh, Colby, I'll let you get out of here, man. Uh, again, so happy for you and your wife, Dana. I mean, uh, really happy for you guys and hope everything goes well. And It'll be nice to uh, have an addition to the the pod family. It'll be great. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Uh, can't wait. New little cowgirl joining us this weekend. So uh, everybody enjoy enjoy the golf, some college baseball this weekend. Whatever you're doing, have fun. Enjoy. Stay safe. And as always, go Pokes.